Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. TuneIn is the audio platform with something for everyone. News. In order to secure convictions in a court of law, it is essential that we conclusively. Sports. That clock at four. Donchich. The step back three. You bet. Music. You set my world on fire. Even podcasts. Whatever you love, hear it right here on TuneIn. Go to tunein.com or download the TuneIn app to start listening. Broadcasting live from the Hyundai Studio, presented by your local Hyundai dealer. Check out the score's new showtime. Temp check. What kind of summer are we having this year? A family road trip summer? A beach bum summer? Or a wake me when the sun sets summer? With Instacart, choose your own adventure and skip the shopping side quests. Where available, you can get ice cream delivered to your hotel, sunscreen to the pool, or cold brew to your bed. Well, door. In as fast as 30 minutes. Wherever you find yourself this summer, you can get the goods. Download Instacart for free delivery on your first three orders. Offer valid for a limited time. Minimum $10 per order. Excludes restaurants. Additional terms and fees apply. TuneIn is the audio platform with something for everyone. News. In order to secure convictions in a court of law, it is essential that we conclusively sports. That clock at four. Doncic. The step back three. You bet. Music. You set my world on fire. And even podcasts. Whatever you love, hear it right here on TuneIn. Go to TuneIn.com or download the TuneIn app to start listening. We really need new phones. T-Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s. And each line is only $25 a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T-Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for $25 per line per month with eligible trade-in when you switch. Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month without a pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee at 24 monthly bill credits for all well qualified customers. Contact us before canceling account to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge applies. See T-Mobile.com. Starting Monday, our starting lineup kicks off your morning with Molly and Haw at a new time. Now getting you to work starting at 5.30 and going all the way to 10 a.m. Followed by the newest mashup of Dan Bernstein and Lawrence Holm. 10 a.m. till 2. Parkins and Spiegel afternoons 2 to 6. And Gabe Ramirez at night. Same great score lineup, new times. We are Sports Radio 670 The Score. WSCR and HD Chicago. WBMX HD 2 Chicago. And Odyssey Station. The score! Run Sundays from 9 a.m. till noon. Wilson Contreras just gave a bear hug to his brother William Contreras, the starting catcher for Atlanta. Very rare to see brothers in the same big league game playing against each other. Grounds one toward the middle. That's going to be another base hit. Wilson going for two. The throw to second base. The slide. He's got a double. Great hustle for Wilson Contreras. He gets a two-bagger. Listen to this crowd. Fly ball left field. Hap is there. Cubs win the ball game. Another solid line drive. 
right to the left fielder and the Cubs make it two in a row over the defending champs with a six to three win here today. It's a line drive to right on a fastball and Robert gives the Sox the lead. Danny Mendick on his way for run number two and the Sox have strung together four hits against Verlander in the third. Hard hit second base and through Altuve. Josh Harris into the plate. It's a 5-0 lead. Now the ball trickles away, but not far enough for anything further. The Sox continue to make contact against Verlander, and it's 5-love. 3-2. On the ground is shortstop. Danny cloaked in sunlight, throws him out, and the Sox do shut out the Astros on their home turf. 7-0 behind Johnny Cueto. Happens once again, and... Luis Robert had a big day. It was a great day for the Sox in a game they truly needed. They move within one game of 500 again with the third final and rubber game tomorrow. So a game well played. An antagonist, Justin Verlander, picks up the loss and he got pounded early. The Sox went out with a good game plan and executed it. And they will get a very good dinner tonight and be right back at it tomorrow evening. And now, your host, Cody Decker. Happy Sunday, everybody. Welcome to 670 The Score and welcome to Hit and Run. I'm Cody Decker. I am taking over today for Matt Spiegel just for Father's Day. My second week in a row. My God, what a foolish mistake this uh, wonderful, wonderful station has made allowing me to do this yet again. And by the way, that's not all you get of me today. After this, we got three hours of Hit and Run and you get more me. That's right. We got down the line right after Hit and Run. And of course, we got a great show for you guys today. Listen, we got some guests joining us to talk some Cubs and Sox. The Cubs and Sox, great day for the city of Chicago yesterday, baseball-wise. Cubs look great. Uh, White Sox look great. I'm looking forward to talking about both of these games uh, today, obviously. But by the way, first things first, we got to talk to you guys about Monday here on The Score. Score fans, starting this Monday, as in tomorrow, listen to the new score lineup. Mully and Haw kick off the day at 5.30 a.m. to 10 a.m. The new burn Steen and Holmes show. I cannot stress this enough. The two very best in the industry. Put them together. It's pure gold. I cannot wait. It is already my new favorite radio show in not only Chicago, but probably the country. That's right, Bernstein and Holmes, they will be at 10 a.m. to 2 p.m., followed by Parkins and Spiego to drive you home from 2 to 6. And, of course, you got Cubs baseball and Gabe Ramirez handling the Knights. This is all starting at 6 p.m., all live and loud, local in Chicagoland, on the score and the Odyssey app. Ah. Now that I got that out of the way, I nailed that, by the way. You're welcome, everybody. Listen, I got Sean over here making me sound way better than I probably deserve. Sean, how you doing, my man? I'm good, Cody. I'm good. Happy Father's Day, man. Happy Father's Day. Are you a father, Sean? I am not a father, no. I have a dog, but I'm not a father. I am not either. <laughs> I have two dogs, four cats, so I feel like a father. I feel very good about that. That's good. That's honestly, I mean, I... Is it? I mean, I've had my dog for about a year. I don't think I'd like... I wouldn't like go out to public and like acknowledge myself as a father, but I feel like I kind of am some, you know, to some extent. I take care of the dog. Yeah, I clean up after him. Yeah, I feel that way about my dogs. Well, specifically Franklin, my big, my big Great Dane. I, I, I oh, feel yeah. that way very much about Franklin. But I will tell you this, Kevin, my little chai weenie, he kind of takes care of himself. No big deal. My four cats, I never see them unless they need something from me. Right. And yes, I do hear what I'm saying out loud. I have two dogs, four cats. That's right. Um, this is a true story, Sean. I one time, 
got released by the Colorado Rockies, kind of out of nowhere. I got traded by, uh, traded over there by the Kansas City Royals in 2016, about three weeks into the season. It was kind of a quick trade over to the Rockies. The Rockies had an injury. It was Daniel Descalso was down, so they traded me over to Colorado to take over in AAA, hoping that if somebody got hurt, I would go up because they had a lot of prospects at AAA. They had Mike Talkman at AAA and a few other guys that they didn't want to start the clock of, but they didn't care if they started my clock. My clock had already started, and they had no intention of keeping me. So the Rockies pull me over there. I'm sitting there playing for two weeks. Daniel Descalso's hand gets healthy. They say, hey, hey, sorry, we don't have a spot for you anymore. I get released. It's less than a month into the season. I don't know if you know this, but May 1st, not a good time to be a free agent in professional baseball. So I'm on my way driving home, and luckily I'm talking to teams already, literally on the drive home. But I get home, and my wife calls me. She's like, hey, listen, I know you're upset. You've been released and all this yada, yada, yada. Um, Don't be surprised when you get home. I'm like, what what do you got? She's like, well, uh, there there are cats. Okay, what what about that? She's like, no, 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 like a lot of cats. I get home, Sean, and I open up the door. Now, keep on, I'm freshly released, not in a good mood. I come home and I open my bathroom door, 14 kittens. No way. 14? Not not four, 14. Oh my God. What? One four. <laughs> my, the number Mike Sosha wore on his back, 14. How? What happened? Where'd they come she from? She thought it was a good idea to bring home a litter of kittens. and uh, But here's the thing, she didn't tell me about it, and she didn't expect me home. She was going to do this whole thing for, like, weeks and not let me know, and I just happened to be released, and I get home, and there are 14 kid kittens in our bathtub, which, by the way, I actually really enjoyed because I just would lie in the bathtub, and I'd be swarmed by 14 kittens. Do you know how enjoyable it is to be swarmed by 14 kittens, Sean? You do not know joy until you've been swarmed by 14 kittens after being released by the Colorado Rockies. That is a fact. I, I've never experienced that. I probably never will, but I'm, I'm very jealous. I'm very jealous. Don't be jealous by me playing for the Rockies or being released by them. It was Neither were good experiences for me. Just the kittens. Um, listen, the kittens was a phenomenal experience. But by the way, let's get back to talking about the Cubs and the White Sox real quick. Yesterday's game, I want to start by talking about the Sox because – Listen, the South Side, I get why everybody's panicked, but I, I talked about this a little bit yesterday on another show because it was also being produced by a massive Cubs fan. And I understand why he was even frustrated because he doesn't care about the White Sox. He, he in fact, dislikes the White Sox because he's a diehard Cubs fan. But I asked him what he thought about this White Sox team. You know, being a guy from Chicago, being a guy who's loved the Cubs his whole life, why is it annoying him that the White Sox have not been playing up to snuff? And I get it entirely. And I think it's because he knows his Cubs team right now is what they are. We all know what the Cubs are, what they are at the moment. It's not exactly the most enjoyable team to watch. They played great these last couple of games. There are some great bright spots on this team. But at the end of the day, it doesn't feel like this team is really going all in and competing right now. And that's not what you want from a team like the Chicago Cubs, who I feel like should never be in rebuild mode ever. Ever, ever, ever. And also, you were also talking about a rebuild as if the rebuild is going to work let's keep in mind rebuilds don't always work they often don't in fact the majority of the time they don't you know while the cubs are rebuilding what do you think every other team's doing sitting around they're like oh let's wait for them cubs to, to catch up guys they'll catch up to us and then then baseball will start no they're all improving as well a lot of these organizations already are ready made 
you know, factories. We we we, you know, we talk about the Dodgers and their front their farm system and their front office. We talk about the Rays. Hell, the phrase is the Rays model. Like that's what it's called. The the new form of developmental more or less has come from the Tampa Bay Rays. And it's brilliant. And now you take it to other teams that are willing to spend money like the Dodgers, like the Giants. Yeah, those teams are going to be very good. They're going to be consistently building from within. It doesn't mean the Cubs can't do this. They just haven't. There are some bright spots, though, again, on this team. I've talked about Frank Schwindel and how much I really like this player. I like him. He belongs in the big leagues. Do I think he should be the four or three hitter of the Cubs? No, I do not think that, but I do think he can help this team win. He's a good piece to help the team win. Same with Patrick Wisdom. Is Patrick Wisdom the piece? No, he is a piece and a good one, a good ball player. You don't have to have a full team of superstars to win baseball. How about this? 2015, I'll, I'll talk, I just mentioned the year 2016 when I was with the Rockies, I got traded from the Kansas City Royals. I played for the Kansas City Royals for a short time. That team won the World Series in 2015. The Kansas City Royals. They were in the World Series in 2014. Who were their stars? I really want you to think about that. Who were the stars of the Kansas City Royals? Was it Eric Hosmer? No. I mean, of course, they try to convince you of that, and somehow Scott Boris convinced the Padres of it, and they got Scott, the Padres to pay $135 million for arguably the lowest-tier first baseman in baseball. Was Mike Moustakis the star? No. He was an okay third baseman, got the job done, had good seasons over there. Was Lorenzo Cain the star? No. He was all right. He was good. He was an all-star. These are all good ball players, but were any of them superstars? Any of them? Hell, one of the biggest superstars of that team, Johnny Cueto, is currently on the south side. And he's doing great. Oh, my God, how great has Johnny Cueto been since he's been picked up by the White Sox? We were giggling about it at first, like, oh, God, the White Sox, this is going to be so... We 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 get, we get we, we finally unload uh, Keiko and we pick up Johnny Cueto. What a terrible idea. Man, it's been magnificent. Here's the frustrating thing. This is why I think Cubs, some Cubs fans are frustrated with the White Sox, because... The, the Cubs are clearly not going for it right now. The White Sox are. The White Sox are all in. They're all in on this season and maybe next season, but this window is closing. That's why it's frustrating. And if you're a Cubs fan, I totally understand why you look over the White Sox and be like, man, they're going all in on it, and this is what they're putting out on the field. And yeah, there are problems, but there are definitely bright spots too. And we talk about the White Sox way too fatalist, because keep in mind, they're one game under 500, as if they're 20 games back. They are not. They are, what, four games back on a not great division. The Twins are not real. I just don't think they're real. Uh, let's go through the list on why I don't think the Twins are real. One, they're really streaky. Really streaky. It's a little concerning that the the team that's in first place in your division has been shut out nine times, which is Major League Baseball. It's also concerning the worst team in your division and Major League Baseball is the Detroit Tigers, who are also tied with your first place team by being shut out nine times. What other team has been shut out that many times? Well, in third place, the Kansas City Royals. They've been shut out eight times. All three of these teams are in the White Sox's division. The White Sox have a very favorable uh, schedule going forward. Of, of course, they got a game, another game today against the Houston Astros, which, of course, is not exactly the easiest of tasks. But they just took Justin Verlander to town yesterday. 
By the way, I got a fun stat, stat for you. They mentioned it a couple times in the game yesterday, which I don't know if they mentioned the exact stat, but they talked about how Jose Abreu has been just a nightmare for Justin Verlander, and it is beyond true. I can't stress this enough. Justin Verlander is one of the greatest pitchers who ever lived. Justin Verlander is a first-round Hall of Famer. Justin Verlander is nearly 40, hasn't pitched in two seasons, had Tommy John surgery, and he's better now than he was before he got the surgery. That sometimes happens when you're 24. Sometimes. It happened when he's 40? This guy is not human. However, Jose Abreu, just listen, dude, listen to these stats. This was going into yesterday's games. I'm not even counting yesterday's hits and RBIs that he added on to these stats. This is what, my God, I'm just still looking at this. I can't believe Jose Abreu has done this with Justin Verlander. He's faced him. Going into yesterday's game, 44 career at-bats. He's hitting 367. Now he's hitting even higher. He's probably hitting closer to about 380 or 390 off of him. Oh, and he has six homers. Six homers off of Justin Verlander. Justin Verlander doesn't give up six homers in a year. He has six to Jose Abreu. That's incredible. I'm ex- I'm still not ready to give up on this White Sox team, obviously. There's 500. You know how many teams in this league would kill to be 500? Look up to the north side. You think Chicago fans wouldn't kill for a 500 team in that NL Central division right now? Now, the Cardinals, it looks like they're starting to run away with it, which is not music to my ears. But at least the Brewers aren't, which is music to my ears. So that's something. I mean, it's give and take. It's a, it seems as though I can't be completely happy, but I get my mild things. We're going to be talking a lot about the White Sox today. We're going to be talking a lot about the Cubs today. We're going to be talking a lot about baseball today. we got some guests joining us today. We have so much to cover. Gordon Wittenmeyer will be joining us from NBC Sports Chicago. He's a Cubs beat writer. Cannot we be talking about him next? We are going to be talking Cubs with them. Maybe a little White Sox. Hey, maybe we'll throw some other stuff. And by the way, it's Father's Day. Let's talk about some Father's Day stories. Let's talk about you guys going out and playing catch with your dad. I never really played catch with my dad. Not because he didn't try. He had, like, shoulder problems when I was a kid. Not because he's a former athlete he just exactly the opposite it was because he wasn't a former athlete but a happy father's day to my father jay decker wonderful man wonderful father i'm very lucky to have had him and still have him he is not dead i'm actually going to lunch with him today it's gonna be great it's gonna be phenomenal cannot wait and it's gonna be great spending the next two and a half hours here with you guys for hit and run guys we're gonna take a quick little break we come back gordon wittenmeyer right here from NBC sports chicago right here on 670 the score Hit and run Sunday mornings, 9 a.m. to noon on 670 The Score and 670thescore.com. Chicago's sports station. Wilson Contreras just gave a bear hug to his brother, William Contreras, the starting catcher for Atlanta. Very rare to see brothers in the same big league game playing against each other. Almost, I almost got in tears when I saw my brother behind the plate. I give him a nice hug. Uh, I love him so much, and I'm really proud of everything that he has done. This is the first time that you got to see your brother play in person since Little League, especially getting the view from back there and his swing. Just what was it like? It was an amazing experience. The last time I saw my brother play was in Little League, I would say like 10 years ago, 15, 13 years ago. And uh, today I got a, a really good view of, uh, of him. Uh, we're really blessed to be brothers and to be playing the big leagues. 
and hopefully we keep going for a few more years. You got to admit, man, it's awesome. That is as cool as it gets. I have a brother. Don't like him much, but I did, would love to play baseball against him at some point. He technically taught me how to play baseball when I was a little kid, so I guess I should be respectful. But, you know, I'm mostly not. It's kind of the way I was brought up. Happy Father's Day, Dad. Anyways, Wilson Contreras playing against his brother. You think that's crazy? It's not. It's I've seen it happen a few times. I've had teammates that have had it. Caleb Joseph, uh, you might remember that name. He's a guy that's played for a couple of years. He was with the uh, he was with the Blue Jays during their run when they kind of snuck into the playoffs in the 2020 season. And, of course, before that, I played with him in the Diamondbacks. And he spent a lot of time with the Orioles. Caleb Joseph, when I played with him in the Diamondbacks, we were in AAA together. I remember we were playing against the A's in Vegas in their uh, new stadium over there. And I'll never forget it. Caleb Joseph was catching a game, and all of a sudden, coming to the plate was another guy named Joseph. And we're like, oh, we, we think they're related, but they weren't really, they were kind of not selling it with each other, which was really weird. We knew they were related, but they were just both trying their best not to acknowledge it. And then Caleb Joseph's brother comes up, his first at bat, and he homers. Oh, like, ah, interesting. Okay. Well, you know, we are playing in Vegas. It's a BAM box. Not a big deal. Comes up in a second of bat. Homers again. All right, we have questions. Caleb, sit your ass down. Caleb, first pitch, both times, Homer. You better not be selling out your pitcher, buddy. And he's like, no, no, I swear to God, I swear to God. My brother's good. I'm like, he ain't that good. We see the numbers. He actually was that good. Guy absolutely raked. But yeah, Caleb Joseph playing against his brother yesterday. Very cool to see the Contreras brothers play with each other, against each other. That is a rare feat. Very cool, cool stuff. Uh, Sean, do we uh, do we have our man Gordon on the line waiting for us? Just waiting on him to connect. He should be joining us shortly. I'm looking forward to having him. Gordon Wittenmeyer from NBC Sports Chicago, Cubs beat writer. We're going to talk a little bit of Chicago Cubs, talk some White Sox, maybe just talk about everything else throughout the league. Uh, by the way, everything else throughout the league. I got a question for you, Sean, before we get to the Cubs and before we get to Gordon. You think the Yankees are ever going to lose again? Because I don't. They sure don't look like they're going to do it again, huh? <laughs> oh, my God. They really are that good. They really are. Like, I'm waiting. I, I had this discussion with somebody yesterday. And it's a real conversation that you really got to have. Because looking at the money that's being spent, the money on the Yankees payroll that's being allocated in certain directions, we know that Aaron Judge just turned down, what, $270 million extension? Bet on himself. It's going to turn out quite well. He's going to sign for, I don't know, maybe over $400 million, maybe more based on how he's playing right now. It's unbelievable what he's doing. But keep in mind how much they're paying Giancarlo Stanton. And I'm not somebody that's against the Giancarlo Stanton uh, pickup and the amount of money they're paying him. Giancarlo Stanton's incredible, especially when he's healthy. However, somebody asked me yesterday, if Giancarlo goes down, if, if injuries start happening to this team, will you start fading the Yankees? And I said, okay, start naming players. And he started naming player by player. Will you fade the Yankees if Giancarlo goes down? I said, no. Rizzo, no. Donaldson, no. Hicks, no. Combination of any of the two, no. Judge, yep. If they don't have Judge, I'm fading them. Done. Yes, that's how good Aaron Judge has been. He is an honest-to-God Difference maker. Him in the lineup makes that team right now borderline unbeatable. It's insane. It's insane. And keep in mind, the, the American League's got a lot less parity than the National League. The National League's a stronger league this year. But the Yankees might be the strongest team. I, I, it's unbelievable. Aaron Judge. Seriously, he is a video game right now, Sean. 
He's been so good. And I like, I don't know, maybe I, I feel like maybe I just didn't watch him close enough up until really this year. Um, but I always kind of thought he was maybe a little bit overrated. Um, now I feel stupid because the guy is probably under it. He's been so good this year. And like you said, he's bet on himself and he, it's going to work out great. One of the few times that that's actually worked out for a player where they come into a season where, you know, it's a contract year. They're looking to try and get paid. Aaron Judge has taken that to the next level, man. He's for sure the MVP of the AL right now. Now. And barring any changes, like, I mean, this guy's running away with it. His only issue is that he gets hurt and he gets hurt a lot. Right. It is, it is a stand. fact. Yeah. yeah. You can't, you can't deny that. I mean, you look throughout the league. I mean, think about this. There are contracts throughout the league that I don't understand. There are contracts that I do understand, but I'll, I'm going to point out one. Here's why like the, the idea of paying Aaron judge is scary because he gets hurt a lot. How do you think the Nats feel about Steven Strasburg these days? Yeah, that's a great, Great comp there. I, I, my, my reason is here. It's not that Steven Strasburg's been hurt the entire second contract. He was hurt his whole first contract. I think he's been healthy a total of maybe five months in his career. Luckily, part of those five months was a World Series win. Right. I mean, <laughs> and that World Series win got him an extra $200 million. But the guy, I mean... The guy's probably, probably what, played a two full, total of two and a half full healthy seasons in the past 10 years? He's made like $500 million. That's just a situation I think everybody would like to avoid. But that's also why it's a little tricky to pay pitchers. You know, that's the other thing. The pitchers are hard to pay. Hell, I've been talking about the Yankees and how great they are. Dude, Everybody in New York talks about Garrett Cole like he's the worst pitcher in the world. He's got like a two ERA and he's going to be a finalist for the Cy Young. But because Nestor Cortez is pitching a little better, Tyone's pitching a little better, because guys are doing a little better than Cole is doing, Cole sucks now. Isn't that crazy? And that guy, I mean, every team would take Garrett Cole in a heartbeat right now. You know? Yeah. <laughs> you think? Right. That guy's one of the few pitchers you look at now in baseball and say, like, that's an ace. That's a guy that, you know, if you're going through a slump, you look at that guy and say, he's going to get us a win today. There's only so many two... guys that do that. Dude, he gives up two solo home runs, and there's five think pieces in the New York Post about what's wrong with Garrett Cole. That's so true. <laughs> it's just like nothing. Absolutely nothing. Just Chapman, pretty good. Quite a few things. Yeah. Cole's really, really good. Um, Speaking of that, we got obviously we're going to talk a lot about the White Sox today, and we're going to be talking a little bit. You know, last week when we were doing the show, obviously you and I talked a lot about Larusa, and it's easy to talk about Larusa, but we are obviously going to talk about Larusa again in a little bit because a couple of games ago, not yesterday. Yesterday was a great game. Yesterday is hopefully the direction the White Sox are going, but the game before was a lot more of the same. Um, and I'm talking, of course, about the Friday game where Lucas Giolito was pitching. It was a three-three ball game, the Apple TV game. That game was very frustrating to watch because here's the thing. I had Lucas Giolito on this show last week, and there was something I even talked about him, talked to him about on this show. And it's something he acknowledges. It's something everybody acknowledges. Garrett Cole, uh, Giolito's been having some trouble in the fifth and sixth innings. Specifically, if he gets through a good fifth, the sixth inning has been his almost stoppage point. For whatever reason, he's having a lot of issues in that fifth and sixth inning, but the sixth inning, 100%. What happened on Friday? Well, he gets to the sixth inning. He had very low pitch count. He did. He was pitching great. He was rolling great. But again, since coming off the IL, he has not gone into one clean sixth inning. Not one. 
So I'm not saying you're going to pull him in that situation going into the sixth inning. I'm saying you got to have a contingency plan, possibly have somebody getting moving around in the bullpen, getting ready to go. That ended up being a 45-pitch inning, ended up being a 10-run inning. When he walked Bregman, someone should have been getting up in the pen. Honestly, somebody should have already been up in the pen, but somebody should have been getting ready. When he gave up the hit to Jordan, quite frankly, I don't think he should have even faced Jordan. But whatever, he gave up the hit to Jordan, maybe get somebody up, Honestly, pull them, but at least get somebody up. Oh, we're waiting. We're waiting. We're waiting. The only job a manager has to do at this point is handle a bullpen. That's it. It's not that hard. The game tells you everything you need to do. There are 29 other managers who don't seem to have a problem handling a bullpen. That was frustrating. That was exceedingly frustrating. Why else was it frustrating? I wasn't the only one thinking it. The announcers were saying it. It happens a lot. And it seems like it happens only a lot in the games that Tony LaRusso is managing. I talked about the Padres a lot, and it's not because I, I, I'm not necessarily a Padre fan. I played for them. I respect them, and I'll always love the Padres because of that. But I said last year when they fired Jace Tingler, getting Bob Melvin was going to net this team at least five more wins just by his managerial style, how he's going to handle this team, how he's going to handle his starting rotation, how he's going to handle his bullpen. And he's done more than that already. I feel like we're getting the exact opposite on the South side of Chicago. And we're going to talk about that. But first I want to talk about the Cubs with our guest right now calling in Gordon Wittenmeyer on NBC sports, Chicago Cubs beat writer. Gordon, thank you so much for joining me on hit and run. How you doing, brother? I'm doing great. How are you? Oh, man, I'm living the dream. Just talking some Chicago Cubs, talking some White Sox right now. Wait a Cubs minute, that, look pretty wait a good. Talking Chicago Cubs is the dream? Is that what you just said? Oh, you know what? You know, some years it is. Today it is. They won yesterday. I get to talk positively today, Gordon. Yeah, this is a dream. All right, all right. Hey, happy Father's Day, too. It's a nice day. Happy nice Father's Day. Father. Gordon, it's been, it's been a rough time over there on the north side this year. What positives so far can you take from this team, especially going forward? This payroll is obviously low, so this team could spend this offseason. But are there even pieces to spend on coming this offseason to get this team to win immediately? It's low because they chose not to spend. I, I mean, know. they had a, a payroll at their resource level, close to the luxury tax threshold, and it was a division, defending division champion roster and they decided that biblical losses uh, meant that they had to sell off when the Dodgers and the Yankees did not do the same thing. Um, so that's why the payroll is where it is. I don't have any faith that they're going to suddenly jack it to luxury tax threshold levels. Um, and I'm not even sure, I mean, where they've taken the roster, that's not even a smart thing to do, um, to go one off season and, and try to go huge. Uh, they're not anywhere close. Uh, at this point to contending. And the biggest problem is you don't know what you have in-house. Um, they're trying out all kinds of pitchers. They spent a decade failing at developing pitching. They think they might have some now, but you don't know. I mean, Keegan Thompson looked really nice the other day. He looked terrible his last two starts, so we'll see what happens. He's a young pitcher. Um, Justin Steele's looked pretty good most of the year. He's had some clunkers. We'll see what he is. Uh, Adbert Alzali. I don't know what to make of him, even when he was healthy, and he's not healthy right now. We'll see what happens there. They got some bullpen pieces. They got Caleb Killian, who I think pitches Monday, top prospect. He's had a good one and a not so good one. Um, I don't know. I don't see a, I don't see a Dwight Gooden on the horizon. Um, but no. they might have some pieces. 
but they don't even know what the pieces are at this point, and they need to at least let the second half of the season play out to know where they stand in terms of in-house talent. Uh, never mind the fact that you're going to blow up the roster again at the deadline and and leave that many more holes to fill. So I have no idea where they they are. And by the way, neither does Jed Hoyer to hear him talk. I know, and that's actually one thing I want to ask you about. How is it possible Hoyer doesn't know? It's not like he's a new member of this organization and a new front office. This front office has been around for a decade. How do they not know the talent they have in-house right now, uh, despite the fact they've developed them all? Because, Because they haven't developed them all. They're not there yet because they're minor leaguers. And in some cases, some of their better talents in the low minors. So they can't know. But more than that, he was handed, look, Theo jumped ship with a year left on his contract. He knew what was coming. And uh, the, the ownership uh, was handing down um, cuts left and right across the board, uh, front office, you know, regular office people too. And then they slashed payroll, forced the trade of Hugh Darvish, the non-tender of Kyle Schwarber. And it was all downhill from there when it came to where this roster was going to end up before you built anything back up. When you're handed that going in the door, and you're where you are now, I don't know how you can know that because that wasn't Jed Hoyer's or Theo Epstein's plan. Now, part of it's their doing because they failed to develop enough players to backfill their rosters, but that was handed down from ownership a couple of years ago. And so this is where we are. Um, Maybe at the end of the year, they'll know a little more. These guys in the upper minor had a chance to get their feet wet in the majors look like well also on top of that you mentioned this was a decision and you mentioned the people that they fired during say the pandemic year keep in mind every organization got rid of just about everybody in every front office at one point to cut costs during the pandemic what the, made the cubs so specific some. everybody cut some yeah the, what the made the cubs, the cubs specific the cubs were deep in they were in debt when when they look they bought the franchise originally in a heavily leveraged purchase and they and and they had some very severe bank restrictions for for years those expired they they lessened over time and eventually expired as they expired and the revenues increased and the franchise value the equity in the team increased they took on more debt because that made good business sense that was smart it was cheap it was a whole lot cheaper to borrow at next to nothing and make money immediately off what you borrowed than to not do that so they did it. But what happened with the pandemic is the revenues went away. The revenues went away suddenly. And they panicked. Instead of weathering that storm and, and sort of sucking it up, they panicked and, and uh, wound up trying to recoup what they could over a period of time. And this is, th- that's why their cuts were so much more severe than some others. Well, on top of that, you talk about but you you mentioned some of the guys that are up in the big leagues right now, these minor league these guys who have spent a lot of time in the minor leagues. You do mention that this wasn't the plan and obviously it wasn't, but you mentioned they haven't developed these players as if Hoyer inherited them. Hoyer's been here for quite a long time though. What is stopping them from, you know, who's running their minor league system? What is stopping them from getting their developmental to where it needs to be? Yeah, they've overhauled it more than once in that decade. And they're in a place now with some relatively new leadership, and they think they've got something going now. Um, they bought, brought uh, Dan Kantrovitz over, the, the guy who was uh, spent years in St. Louis overseeing their drafts. And we know that they've done a pretty good job of player development over the years. Um, and 
he brought in a little bit different philosophy. We've seen some more players or some more pitchers drafted a little higher, a couple of first rounders, and so far they look pretty good. Um, so you know, we'll we'll see where that goes. But he came in what right about the time the pandemic hit, so he hasn't had a, a lot of runway yet uh, for for his uh, impact to to be seen yet. Uh, as it relates to getting guys uh, from the minors to the majors. We'll see. We, we, we think that might be starting about now with some of the names I've already mentioned. Um, but uh, we need, you know, we need to see more of it. They need to see a lot of these guys. If you're not going to have, like I, I mentioned, the Dwight Goodens coming, if you don't have the next Chris Bryant or whatever that, that impact uh, MVP type guy is coming, then you need a lot of these other guys. You need a lot of the, you need a lot of two and a half three starters if you're not going to have that one one and a half starter. You need and you need a lot of really good pieces that complement each other that you can at least platoon in the lineup and score four plus runs a game. Um, and you yes. need some guys that, that can catch the ball. Yes, we don't know yes, that they have enough do. of any of that. No. You, we don't. And keep in mind, there are times where this team actually doesn't look bad. Yesterday, the day before, they've actually looked all right. But there are other times where they just look allergic to baseball. Um, on top and, of that, and, question and that's for a you. a sign of a team that's, that's incomplete and, and flawed in numerous areas. Absolutely. Uh, on top of that, I got a separate question for you. We're talking about the money that they've allocated and the money they've chosen not to allocate in certain places. Like you said, this, they're cho this is a choice that the Cubs have made, a full-on decision. What what led to the decision to bring in and spend money on Marcus Stroman and Seiya Suzuki if we're not going to fill the roster with other place, uh, players around them? Well, if Suzuki is the impact player that they think he is, he's on a five-year contract, and it's a very affordable five-year contract. It's it's a $17 million a year deal. Now, it's more than that because they had to pay the posting fee, so it's actually 90, 99 points something. It's, it's closer to $20 million. Uh, a year, but in yeah. in today's game, and especially if you're a big market club, that's not a lot. If you if you're right on him, he should be part of the next team that's competitive. I don't know about this next great Cubs team that, that you know until I see the next competitive Cubs team. You know I don't know when that when that, when Jed Hoyer's team's coming, but he should be part of that. All right, it, it shouldn't take you more than five years under any circumstances, especially if you're the Chicago Cubs. So he he's a guy that comes in as sort of a cost-effective guy if you're right about him and he fits that. And Marcus Stroman is, is a really interesting case because I don't, I don't believe they looked at this as a three-year proposition to be back in the playoffs or competing for a championship. Maybe they did. He's got an opt-out after his second year. And in the meantime, now this isn't the case right now, but in the meantime, had he been performing this year and the team not been performing, it's a tradable contract. So you have flexibility within that contract. So uh, you, you need you need bodies, you need you need representative players, you need something to sell the fans, and you maintain flexibility. That that's I think what we saw in in those signings in particular. Last question for you, Wilson Contreras. Obviously a trade a potential trade piece, but also a fan favorite and guys like him and quite frankly he could help this team in the future do you think there is a chance that he can remain in chicago or do you think he can get somewhat of a haul here in chicago if they were able to move him i don't know what he's a rent a player either way no matter how great he is he a rent a player and he's a rent a catcher at the age of 30. 
Well, yeah, but he's really, I, the way I view him is he's a rent-a-hitter. With, with the universal DH, and as well as he's hitting right now, he's a hitter who can supplement your catching, um, and, 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 and in a big way. So, and he also can play a couple other positions, so I think he's got some versatility. However, he, you know, the, the guys, the rent-a-players that get a big haul are the starter, starting pitchers. Mm-hmm. I, I, don't, I don't see that, or the, or the difference-making back-end bullpen pieces. Um, so it's going to be tougher. You, like, for instance, David Robertson, right? He's, he's having a, a, a rebirth of his career after uh, dealing with injuries the last few years. He's looking every bit closer material and, and what he was as an all-star. That guy is going to have – you're going to have many teams that are going to kick the tires on him minimum and maybe even a handful that come in hard for him. So you're going to have a marketplace that you can leverage. You have to find a fit for Wilson – and there, at the very least, there won't be as many teams. Can you get more for him? Potentially, but you've got to have at least two teams that come in hard. And uh, you know, we'll see what, what happens. But I do think, I do think that he gets traded. All the signals are that he gets that he gets traded. Even though you know, it's it's just baffling to me. I know he's a 30 year old catcher, blah blah blah. But he's he's really. He's still very, very athletic. He plays the position well, but he's hitting like he never has. And this was a first where they got him out from behind the plate a little more often. And look what it did for his bat. Uh, he's also really helping some of the young kids that are coming in. They're gravitating toward him, and he's embracing that role. He could be and has said he wants to be part of that rebuild to bridge to the next contender. And uh, I'd give him the money. I mean, uh, it, again, it's the Chicago freaking Cubs. They've got tons of payroll flexibility and tons of resources. And uh, e- even if he's not the ideal contract, he's not going to break your bank. He's not going to come close to it. Um, you could give him a fair deal that works for him, and it could work for the team. Why, why they're not doing that, I don't know. But that the logic behind that keeps keeps in the back of my mind this idea that maybe they'll come to their senses at some point and get something done. But uh, I haven't. I don't have a lot of faith in that. I don't either, but I, like you, I hope they get something done. I'd like to see Wilson Contreras stay a Chicago Cub for the foreseeable future. He is Gordon Wittenmeyer. Gordon, thank you so much for joining me. Check him out on NBC Sports Chicago, Cubs beat writer. Seriously, thank you so much for taking the time out of your Father's Day to come and join me here on Hit and Run. Anytime. Take care. All right, take good care. Guys, we're going to take a quick little break. When we come back, we're going to talk a little bit more about Wilson Contreras. What are the possible uh, trade options for him? Where can he go? Or... Could it be possible that he could stay here? I want it to happen. You probably want it to happen. Sean definitely wants it to happen. We're going to talk about it right here on 670 The Score. Hit and run Sunday mornings, 9 a.m. to noon on 670 The Score and 670thescore.com. Chicago's sports station. Without necessarily knowing what the timeline is, does it feel further away than it did when the season started? Um... I think I have a better answer for that later in the season. I think that, you know, I, I don't I don't feel like we've had a chance to really get everyone on, on, on the field and playing, and um, I think I have a better feel for that at the end of the season than I do right now. I mean, I, like I said, I understand why you're asking that question today, but um, it's probably a question I'll probably answer later in the season. That was a question asked by Gordon Whitmire, who we just had on from NBC Sports, Cubs beat writer, asking Jed Hoyer about the future of this franchise. And here's the thing. There's something that Gordon actually just said that I'm having a little bit of problem with. Um, not necessarily from him, just I think there's something out there. I don't know if it's a narrative or anything like that, but Hoyer not knowing where the future of this franchise is is absurdly concerning to me. Um, not knowing who he has. And Gordon even talking about, yeah, well, they don't know what they have. 
how? How do you not know what you have? Um, are we? He also mentioned. I mentioned. Well, you know, he's mentioned a lot of front office people were a lot of turnover in this organization. There's been a lot of turnover in every organization. Um, I mentioned that the pandemic, everyone was fired in Major League Baseball. In fact, you couldn't get a job in Major League Baseball for the last couple of years. In fact, only teams started hiring again this January. That's when the scouts started getting jobs again. People are still getting hired for jobs that have not been refilled yet. I can't stress this enough. Every organization has been turned over. Everyone fired everyone. I believe, now, I might be a little off on this, Sean, so correct me if I'm wrong if you find otherwise, but I believe the only team that didn't fire their front office and all their scouts was the Kansas City Royals. Yeah, I think every team at least significantly downgraded. I know the Cubs got rid of, like, I think it was nearly 100 employees, um, mm-hmm. something like that, before the end of the year. Yeah, I mean, yeah. that was and that A's was the got norm. rid of everybody. Right. Dodgers got rid of all their scouts. All, scouts were all gone. Right. Every organization got rid of all their well, scouts. Well, I mean, there was no minor leagues that year. So, like, what are they there was, scouting, right? There was no youth baseball to go look at. There was nothing to scout. So, all the scouts were gone. Scouting directors. We're talking full departments let go during this time. So, every minor league system was borderline barren as far as front offices go. But these players were still members of the organization. It's not like the it's not like the Cubs started a minor league system last year. Yeah, it's true. These guys are still in the system. That's true. And I'm a little I was also a little confused because Gordon mentioned, well, you know, Jed, you know, you know, Jed Hoyer wasn't always in charge. He wasn't always the team. He was the GM for the past 10 years. It's not like they just brought him in and he's taking a look what uh, Theo left him. Do you think Theo just went rogue for 10 years and said, all right, Jed, now you get to see everything. He was his right-hand man. How do I know that? Jed was my GM in San Diego. He left me high and dry for you guys in Chicago, which I don't blame him. I would have done it too <laughs> in a heartbeat. You <laughs> right. kidding me? Padres, Padres were terrible back then. But I'm just confused by this. Are, are you not a little bit, Sean? Yeah, I think I think that's a good point. And I was thinking about that, too, as, as Gordon was talking as well, too. It's like, you know, Jed, obviously, like, he's the man in charge. He gets to kind of pull the strings and levers or whatever you want to say. But at the same time, too, these are all players that Jed should be at least pretty familiar with. And I get they've had some younger players come into the system in the last year after they traded Bryant's and Rizzo's and Bises yeah. of the world. And I get that. But those are all guys that, I mean, like Pete Crow Armstrong was a guy the Cubs were considering drafting if they were able to get high enough in that draft. Uh, you know, these were all guys they were at least scouting or had some idea of who they were coming into this. So like, it's not like they should be completely foreign to this. It, it, it really, when I was listening to Hoyer, it felt like he just didn't want to give people an idea of which direction he was po- pointing. So he was being ambiguous and guys like Gordon, I, I appreciate him and Paul Sullivan just going out there and Absolutely. asking these questions, but you need to it right at the same time though, it's kind of like a little head scratching that we're all just like, Oh yeah, well, you know, Jed didn't know Jed, you know, this is Jed's team. Now he'll figure it out. And it's like, you probably should like, that should have been a benefit of him being here. Right. The keeping yeah. that continuity. You know, what my true thought process is on this, and this is what I think might even be Gordon's. And this might be why Gordon is as frustrated as he sounds when he's talking about this team. And I don't blame him. Listen to Jed in that clip. Jed does not know where this franchise is going, and I don't think that's entirely on him. I don't think he knows what he's allowed to spend this next year, if at all, which is insane to me. This is the Chicago Cubs. They should never be in rebuild mode. And again, what is rebuild mode for this organization? Is rebuild mode 
signing free agents? Is it developmental from within? He mentioned they got some new developmental uh, minds going, taking place. Probably a new R&D department for a pitching side. This team does need to develop some arms. I will tell you that. N- nothing against the pitchers they have, but look throughout baseball, look throughout Major League Baseball. What's the average velocity you see in Major League Baseball? Upper 90s. You're seeing that's how pitching is done. We had Lucas Giolito on here. Yeah, we had Lucas Giolito on last week talking about how velocity is where it's going to be and it's never going away. It's not necessarily that the velocity is the end all be all. It's a baseline. You have to have it at least in the tank. Doesn't mean you have to go out there and do it, but you have to have it in the tank. Guys, we're going to take a quick little break. When we come back, we are going to finally talk a little bit about Contreras and where he could possibly end up and what kind of haul he can bring in for the Chicago Cubs. Guys, right here on Hit and Run on 670 The Score. Tune in is the audio platform with something for everyone. News. In order to secure convictions in a court of law, it is essential that we conclusively. Sports. Back clock at four. Donchich. The step back three. You bet. Music. You set my world on fire. And even podcasts. Whatever you love, hear it right here on TuneIn. Go to TuneIn.com or download the TuneIn app to start listening. It's better over here. After investing billions to light up our network, T-Mobile is America's largest 5G network. Plus, right now, you can switch, keep your phone, and we'll pay it off up to $800. See how you can save on every plan versus Verizon and AT&T at T-Mobile.com slash across America. Up to four lines via virtual prepaid card. Allowed 15 days. Qualifying unlocked device credit service ported 90 plus days with device and eligible carrier and timely redemption required. Card has no cash access and expires in six months.